were working with two pound mono and that is I mean it's like it's like thread it's yeah. so you can sew with it it's so thin so I was surprised to actually land that one at the boat once it came in and, and it was and to see the size it was a good I'm gonna say it was like somewhere between eight to ten pounds I can't remember the exact exact weight on it uh, but to get it through the rocks and it had the it had the scrape marks of where it had been been down in the rocks and trying to get away from me so it was I would say that was kind of unexpected because I just I thought for sure once I knew I could feel them in there that, that I was gonna break them off Welcome to the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast, inspiring real women with a passion for fishing and the outdoors to go get their adventure on. Now, here's your fearless host, Angie Scott. All right, welcome to this week's episode of the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast. I'm Angie Scott. I'm here at ICAST. I'm doing my first interview from the Waypoint booth this week, so it's a really cool space they've got set up here. And I have a incredible angler to introduce you to by the name of Jennifer Shaw. Jennifer, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for ha- having me here. I'm excited. So did you, fi- you fish the ICAST cup? No, no, did not fish the ICAST Cup, but we just came off of a weekend of scalloping here in Florida, my first scalloping trip, which was a lot of fun. (laughs) Where were you scalloping at? Out of the Crystal River area, so um, went out and uh, had a great guide and uh, put us on some scallops, snorkeled. That was my favorite part, honestly, was the snorkeling part. It was like swimming in an aquarium. I loved it. Yeah, (laughs) very awesome. I was down here over the wintertime. And uh, actually, a year before last in the fall, I was uh, fishing in the Crystal River, and our guide was telling us about the amazing scalloping that they have. Oh, so. yeah. oh that sounds like a blast too. We didn't fish. We did. We did not fish, which was odd for us. We did. We didn't do it. Do it this time. But uh, we didn't think it would be safe to fish while we're scalloping with everyone snorkeling around. So, right. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, very cool. So, you're. Are you originally from South Carolina? Um, my uh, father was in the Navy, and we moved there when I was 12 years old. So uh, he got stationed in Charleston in, in, in the late 80s, and we moved there, and I grew up. Grew, I, I, that's where I call home. I love it there. I don't really want to live anywhere else at this point. <laughs> and so let's talk about how you got into fishing, and then we're going to talk about some of the amazing things you've done over the years. But how did you first get into it? So I did fish some when I was little. My grandparents were big into fishing. Uh, we had family that lives that moved uh, from, I'm originally from West Virginia, and they moved from West Virginia to Melbourne, Florida. And uh, we would always come down here for vacations, go, um, go and spend some time with them. My great uncle had a place on Lake Toho, and so he had a little fishing camp set up there. And we go, my grandparents loved to bass fish, loved to go out and get, get the bass, get the largemouth. And then at home, they would always take us to the little lakes. You know, we might catch a little catfish or a little brim or something here and there. And then once uh, we moved away from, my, uh, from our family in West Virginia and moved to Charleston, South Carolina, we didn't really fish that much anymore so I didn't really get back into it until uh, my husband and I Jason uh, got back together he's a huge fisherman he loves to fish he's been fishing ever since he could walk I think and uh, he was such a great teacher and uh, was very patient with me while learning 
Uh, and he's, he, it's been great. So, so when we, when we uh, got together, I started fishing more with him, and now we just do it together. It's our thing that we love to do together. Okay. So it's, it's a, it's a, that's, how, that's how I've gotten back into it, I guess, from when I was a kid. It's so important to have somebody, I think, to teach you because there's such a steep learning curve when it comes to fishing that it can be overwhelming if you were just trying to figure it out on your own. And so having somebody that's been doing it as long as Jason has and has all the experience to kind of almost cut corners in a way and just kind of get you dialed in, you know, faster than you could possibly do if you're just trying to figure it out on your own. Yeah, I totally agree, and and it's, I mean, that that does help, and I also help think that it's helpful to have somebody who is patient, to, because it's not going to be perfect. I mean, there's been plenty of times I've definitely caught more tree branches, I think, than I have, or cast in tree branches than in the water sometimes, and, you know, you lose some gear along the way, and, you know, just have those little, little hiccups, but... I think it's important to have that patience whenever those things do happen because I think it's that's some place or that sometimes can turn someone off if they get like they feel like you know they've you know just lost it you know maybe a ten dollar lure that's you know it, it sucks but but you already feel bad enough you don't need to be made to feel even worse because you made a mistake or you didn't cast something the right way or you cast it into the trees and you had to break it off um to have someone who's patient around those kinds of things and knowing that you know it's that's just part of the learning process and i and that's how i try to whenever we teach um we teach kids or we teach anybody take, take friends out even who haven't been fishing before you know that's the same uh approach i like to take with them make it fun and they'll want to come back and, and keep doing it and more more and more yeah so you started fishing with Jason, and um, did you start out tournament fishing or what, or teaching, or what? where did you kind of go from there? So we started off uh, mainly, so we do most of our fishing from a kayak. We do, we, uh, we have kayaks, and, and we go out in, the, in kayaks, and so that's how I really started to learn how to fish, and uh, doing that and a little bit of shore fishing, and we... Um, and, and not, not really getting much to the tournaments at that point. We wanted to still stay, you know, just keep it fun and keep it, keep it, keep it easy. And then kind of eased into some local tournaments. We do a lot of catch and release fishing. So we were, uh, we always participated in a, in a local tri-county tournament where, um, where we live. Uh, for tagging and and catch and release for redfish like any saltwater like make your main saltwater and then uh, some freshwater species like bass uh, you can you would get points for for catching and releasing those fish and we um, for the for the years that um, that that tournament was in play and that Jason and I were together we were always the lead male and female angler for the ecology award was what that was what that was called we also um, participate a lot in the South Carolina DNR's game tagging program so we 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 use that as part of our you know kind of like a little little game to see who can tag the most fish and get those um get those tag and release port release reports back whenever one of those fish get caught and reported so it's always fun to be able to see where they where they go so yeah that's kind of how we started was just just kind of doing that conservation like minded things with the tagging and that that ecology tournament and then just kind of expanded from there to trying to go after species and records and things of that nature. (laughs) Well I definitely want to talk about that Um, but uh, you know it sounds like conservation and giving back and teaching is really important to you 
And I think that's important for listeners, you know, to keep in mind, you know, as we're going through your fishing journey, that it's always important to pay it forward once, you know, you get to that point where you're comfortable. But conservation is always important to keep top of mind. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. And it, I mean, just to keep the, the fishing population healthy enough for generations to come. I mean, it, we want to, I know that South Carolina has recently changed the limits on um, on flounder and uh, it's to help protect those big, the big females. The, you know, the big, the big ones that we normally get are, are females and those are the breeding. You know, they, they're going to, they're going to make all the little baby flounder and we want this flounder out there to help keep repopulating and keep growing big and, and keep sustaining that population. So, because they're delicious fish, you know. Don't get me wrong; they're delicious fish, but we want to we want to keep them around so we can continue to enjoy them for years and years to come. So, I, I feel like that's an important role as anglers that we that we you know stress like like that you know the the conservation side of things as well as just being responsible responsible harvesting as well. Uh, the tag uh, the tagging program with the DNR is is great because they collect data on the size of the fish, where they migrate, where the, what their patterns are, where they, and that helps them develop the, um, the rules and the regulations to, to bring forward to, to keep those, to keep that protection in place. Another part of that conservation, like you mentioned, is teaching, and, and we love, we're certified uh, instructors, fishing instructors with the DNR. And so when we hold clinics, or even when we just take friends, family out on our own and teach them to fish, covering all, covering everything to help keep, especially for doing catch and release, how to handle the fish safely, especially, you know, the difference in the temperature, but, you know, when it's hotter out, we don't keep the fish out of the water for very long, long enough to get the hook out, and, and, but that, but that's great, too. We have a little net, we use some floating nets that, that, that we can keep the fish in the water, see the fish as they're swimming around, and be able to point out a lot of the features to, like, to the kids, and see, like, pinfish, we are just at, um, at a, at a catch-and-release-only lake uh, with some uh, friends of ours and their grandkids, and we caught a lot of pinfish. And fun little fish to catch, but man, you, you, get, you get close to their little uh, spikes on their, on their back, and you'll be, you know, that, you'll, you'll know it right yeah. away. So we were, we, were, we were covering that with the kids and making sure that they kept clear of those, but also pointed out the beautiful colors, how they blend in, how that helps protect you know, those little little spikes on their fins help protect them from prey and help camouflage them. And they loved it. It was it was fantastic. So yeah, we just do do all of that, wrap all of that into into what we do and, and just make that part of that experience when we go out. I love, uh, it, I always said uh, pinfish are like the bluegill of the, the gulf for, you know, the what, wherever you're catching them because they're they're little bait stealers. Um, but, you know, bluegill have them little, you know, their fins are pretty sharp too, so they always remind me of that. Um, is most of the teaching, the education you do through the DNR programs or do you do other? We do the so yes we do. I would say it's probably half and half DNR and then also through um, other organizations like Bass Pro and Cabela's. We participate a lot in their um, in their regional store events and their catch and release ponds. They just they just finished up uh, in uh, in early June their uh, gone fishing event and they had catch and release ponds at the store uh, this with bluegill this year and uh, and 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 we just put the little you know they had some some uh, 
crawlers out there and you help the kids do uh, catch and handle and, and know and just and even proper etiquette that's a great place to teach etiquette because there are a bunch of kids around the right. pond and you don't want these kids like slinging hooks uh, and catching anybody else right. so you know making sure to say okay look before you cast and you know make sure you're aware of your surroundings you know you bring the fish in you know you can we taught them how to hold them either for those little guys on the line or you know try to get them to cop them and hold them in their hands and it was it was a great it was a great time so I would say about 50 50 50 with with DNR clinics and then also at other outside events that we incorporate the those concepts into into it all right now let's get to the really exciting part here so um, I forget who told me to it was either Debbie Hansen um, I, it was probably Debbie Hanson who told me to contact you and like you've got to meet Jennifer and have her on the podcast um, and she's got all these world records and I'm like oh my gosh that is so exciting so I want to talk about these world records and your you know journey and, and getting these and let's just start with the first one did did you just did you go after it with the intention of trying to get a world record or yes we did um so so again my husband jason who's been fishing for um for his entire life has uh uh, been going after world records himself for a long time and he introduced uh introduced that to me and uh and started with all the research so that yeah the very first record i got was was a catfish was catfish records we we targeted those records and the important part about going after going after any record is you know it's a lot of research it's a lot of research goes into the size of the fish so we're going after line class records hoping for an all tackle record which would be great Uh, but line class records and so knowing the size of fish that you have to be on that line class and having that line class available having line that will test at that line class so it's really important to to go after like igfa rated uh line or braid so that way because that's going to be more likely to test at that line class that you're going after than some stuff that you buy that that might say 10 pound but it might actually break at 11 or 12 so you don't want to you want to make sure that you're hitting right at that right at that mark so having all your line available knowing the size of the fish that you need to catch to beat the current record so that way you have um, you have an idea of what size of fish that you need to go after and then picking the place that you're going to go. Luckily for us with catfish we have some great catfish um, uh, waters around our home near Charleston uh, where, where there are a lot of lot of lot of records already uh, set in that in that area in the in the Lake Marion and Lake Moultrie of uh, around South Carolina. So, um, so we we went out specifically targeting all of those, and and while you're going after those records, you have to keep track of what line class you are using. So we bring multiple spools so that we can change out the spools really easily with our with our reels. Whenever we get one, we can change to another, and then once you catch the fish, all the measurements that go into it. So you have um, length measurements, you have girth measurements that you have to take. Uh, you have to take pictures, close-ups of all those measurements, plus pictures of the whole fish, plus pictures of the head, pictures of the tail, the weight. You have to weigh a fish on um, on land, like so on dry land on a dock. You can't be on a boat or on a floating dock. You have to weigh it, weigh it standing on on ground, and and pictures of all that, pictures of the angler with the fish. So there's a lot that goes Sounds that like goes it. into it, and so we. Um, 
when we did the uh, catfish uh, records, uh, we uh, we did we did keep those because catfish are, are good to eat, and we will and and we were out on a boat, so we we did we did keep a lot of those fish. But um, but it was it was fantastic. We I can't. And it sounds terrible. I can't remember every single line class that um, that I got those records on at that time. But it was anywhere from like two to maybe like 16 pound tests that we were that we were doing the, the records with at that at that particular time. But it was great, and and it was again my first time, so it was it was very exciting. The second. Um, Species. The record I got was a grouper on two-pound test, a gag grouper uh, that we caught out of Tampa. And again, went with um, went with a friend of ours who who knows where to target them, but still did all the same thing: researching the the weight that we need and the the size of the fish that we need and and when to go get them. And that one we did release. And I've, I'm I'm big on that now too. I want to release. A lot of the fish, like if they're going to get me a record, I want to see them yeah. swim away. So there have been times where we've caught fish that would have been records that we've bypassed that whole process because we don't want to keep them out of the water. We don't want to have to drag them back to land and, and so forth. Right. But it's it is it is pretty exciting. We do uh, the process once you you know once you get home and and you have all the pictures and you have to send in line samples. You have to send in the the lure or the hook that you used. Uh, so we have to put all that together, and it takes a few weeks to get all that all, all that together, and then send it off to be certified. And so now, um, you know, we just came off of a big trip uh, where we have some pending records, and now we're just waiting for those to get certified before we we, we talk about them too You're much. Right. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Um, so I know it's always hard to pick a favorite, but do you have a favorite? you can think of or a special experience with with one I'm sure they're all special experiences I can't imagine you know some people would work their whole lives for just one world record so it's amazing so the one and this is one that is not was never certified it was one of the ones that we released um the but we went down to Belize a couple of years ago and uh and everyone goes to Belize. Uh, they they go after a permit. They want to they want to catch the permit on the fly, and it's a great place for for that. Uh, we had uh, three days with a guide, and on our first day, we asked him, you know, well, how is the permit fishing right now? How how's that going? And and he was like, yeah, it's a little little tough. And so we said we want to well then we want to catch fish. Like we're we don't want to go out all day long and just chase one fish and maybe sight one and we want to go and catch fish so he said all right we're going to go and catch some fish and uh and so one of the fish that's that's uh in in that caribbean area in the in that central uh caribbean central america caribbean area is a fish called a bay snook and it's a it's a fresh water or it could be a little bit brackish water living okay. brackish water and uh, they look kind of like almost the colors of like maybe a peacock bass, a smaller peacock bass. Uh, but their mouth comes out, the way they feed is a tube. So whenever they go to eat something, they make their mouth into this big long tube and it looks kind of like a little vacuum and they just suck up their food and, and go back in. Something you can't find in the States, can't find anywhere else. And so we uh, went on this big adventure to get to a freshwater area from, from, the, from the, the launch point where we were. Drove about an hour, ported the boat through 
uh, this old rickety dock that had holes in it and through this marsh until we got to this little freshwater area got in there and um, caught uh, caught this basic funny Jason was fishing um, with a with a little tiny tiny uh, tiny hook caught a minnow caught a bee long little bee long and I used that to put on my hook and that's what I caught my base snook Oh, nice. And it wasn't a very big fish, but because they're not easy to catch, and people don't go to Belize, they don't target these, they don't go to Belize and say, I want to catch a, bit, a base <laughs> snook, they, it, that's just not, they don't hear that. And so there's really not a whole lot of, um, uh, uh, like, any records or anything on them. So it would have, I think it may have even been a new species that wouldn't have been oh, wow. in, in, the, in the IGFA I'm not not certain on that, yeah. but it, but there weren't very many, and so what we caught would have been a record, but we would have had to go all the way back to land. We couldn't stand in the water; there are crocodiles around, so we had to stand in the water <laughs> no. to weigh it. And so we we released it, took some pictures, gave it a little kiss, and and let it go go on its way. But that that's probably one of the most memorable record non-record, I guess right. that that we um, that that I've gone after. Beautiful fish, beautiful setting. Yeah. yeah. So unexpected one, really, I guess. Or were you kind of thinking you were? Um, unexpected. I. I think when whenever we went after that gag grouper, it was on it was on two pound test, um, and I and I can't remember the exact weight, but it was a it was a good size fish. I thought I was going to lose it. Um, he he went under went into some rocks. I could tell he was going in the rocks, and you know we were working with two pound mono. And that is, I mean, it's like, it's like thread. It's yeah. so, you, know, you could sew with it. It's so thin. And we, um, and I, I, I thought I was going to lose it. And we went, so I was surprised to actually land that one at the boat once it came in. And, and it was, and to see the size, it was a good, I'm going to say it was like somewhere between eight to 10 pounds. I can't remember the exact, exact weight on it. Uh, but to get it through the rocks and it had the, it had the scrape marks of where it had been, been down in the rocks and trying to get away from me. So it was, I would say that was kind of unexpected because I just, I thought for sure, once I knew I could feel them in there, that, that I was going to break them off. So I imagine it, it really comes down then to your equipment and your settings and your equipment to be able to land something yeah. like that on two pound test. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, things have to be right. You have to be patient. You know, you can't horse them in. You can't. Uh, you got to keep the line tight, but not too tight. And you know, you don't want to don't want to pull that knot right out of uh, right out of the hook. And it is. It's yeah. Have your, your equipment right. And that's what I said too with the line. You want to make sure that your line is an IGFA rated line if you're going after records because you want to because you don't because you you want to land the fish sure, but you also want to have that certified at the IGFA when they test the line and they test for that that breaking point. Is so so yeah having all that right equipment having the right setup having somebody who can net the fish for oh, you yeah. and not like 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 get the right. like get, get the hook out of yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> is important yeah. too so I'm very fortunate to um, have uh, you know like I said Jason is uh, is is a master at it and to have him. Uh, help me along in that and then the guides or the people when we go out either either if we are going out with somebody to have them their knowledge on the fish and how the fish react and we can use that to make sure that we're landing and handling the fish correctly too very cool well um do you have anything coming up that you want to talk about um not 
So we just came off of a big trip where we were um, uh, we went uh, after alligator gar and paddlefish in Oklahoma. So first time I had caught either species, which wow. was a lot of fun. The alligator gar, amazing species, loved loved it. Yeah. They were um, they're just such a cool fish. Once you once you land them and you get them you get them close to you and you can hold them in your lap to see their scales and their eyes and how they're just taking in everything. It's it's really, really cool. And the paddlefish were, was amazing as well. That uh, never caught paddlefish before and they're good fighters, but also just um, just, a, just a cool fish to look at. They're, they don't have scales. It's kind of like catfish uh-huh. skin, and they they were um, they were incredible. So yeah, we just came off of that um, came off of that road trip. We're planning a uh, an extended trip to Vermont later this year, where we're going to be up there. We're going to catch in like the touristy the leaf the like the leaf season the leaf the, oh, the, the yeah. fall colors Beautiful. but also uh we're uh we'll be going after some uh, landlocked salmon and some trout up in that yeah. area too so we're really looking forward yeah. to that we'll see jason uh jason told me is like as soon as we're done with icast he's like i'm on the vermont so he's going to start doing the research and what species we can catch what the records are and we'll start planning for that <laughs> that's awesome that sounds like an exciting life you know you always have something new to look forward to so that's great well uh, where can people follow your adventures so we have uh instagram and uh facebook are the are the are the main sites and you can find us uh using at uh, otw shawls s-c-h-a-l-l-s on the water with the shawls uh, is where where people can find us and follow our adventures and and keep up with what we're doing Awesome. Well, uh, enjoy the rest of ICAST, and thank you so much for taking some time to chat with me today. Uh, love what you're doing. And, oh, one thing I wanted to mention, too, that I heard right before we did the interview is you have something. You always like to give the fish a little kiss. I do like to give the fish a kiss before. I, I, I feel like it's a little good luck, and also maybe they'll tell their friends down there that, that the folks up above aren't aren't so bad. So, so don't worry about it if you get hooked. <laughs> I need to start doing that. Maybe that's been part of my problem. <laughs> but anyways, thank you again, and uh, we look forward to following following your adventures and uh, seeing if these world records get certified and your Vermont trip and all the things you got coming up. All right. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this and I hope y'all have a good show too. (laughs) Thank you.